How many people are here in Peter for the first time tonight? I'm just curious. For the first time. Are you guys in for a real treat? Give me, help me, uh, let's give a warm welcome to Peter. Give him a nice one. My name is Peter, I'm a recovered alcoholic. Yeah. Grateful to be alive and sober and part of a sacred place called Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, again, thank you guys for having me here and getting to share each week uh, what God has done for me through Alcoholics Anonymous and through the 12 steps and through the fellowship and the service that I get to do every day on both the private and professional uh, level. I'm grateful to be here. Uh, God separated me from alcohol June 23rd, 1988. I'm a recovered alcoholic, and I say recovered because I am anything less than that would be falsely humble. Um, this great power that we get to experience, this sunlight of the spirit that we get to experience, uh, this walking hand in hand with the, the, the spirit of the universe, uh, Big Book calls it Zara of the Heavens, whatever higher power of God, I don't care what you call it, but this power greater than ourselves. When we get to experience that, great things come to pass for me and you. And we get to experience, as I have, a place called recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And then beyond that, which is a neat thing we get to talk about as we move into steps 10 and 11. Going past the obsession of the mind, a phenomenon called craving. And we get past the spiritual malady where the spiritual, the spiritual peace gets remedied. We get fixed spiritually. The spirit was never broken. The spirit was never sick, but I was. And then we get to work on, through God's power, something called untreated alcoholism. So I guess the question is, uh, do I want to get past here where I'm sitting tonight? Do you want to get past where you're currently sitting? Do you want to get freer than what you're experiencing now? If you're anything like me, I know what kind of drunk I was. I always wanted more of whatever it was. So I'm sitting in Alcoholics Anonymous. Do I want to get freer? Do I want more of God? If I'm in bondage tonight, why? You don't need to be. Do we want to get past where we currently are regardless of how long we're sober? And the great thing is we come to uh, this place called Alcoholics Anonymous. And in this place, we most of us will get a God even though we know about God. Um, we never experience God because if I'm in an experience with God, I'm not drinking. So I, I knew about God, but I get to have an experience in the sacred rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous with a power greater than myself. And then suddenly, little by slowly, not only the drink gets taken away or any other substance gets taken away, but my alcoholism starts to get removed little by slowly. And I truly get to experience what it's like being recovered from alcoholism, not only of a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And that's the good news we should be shouting. That's the great news we should be shouting from the rooftops in AA about God, about the 12 steps, about a big book, and not apologizing for it wherever we go. It is the good news. <coughs> there are people who find other ways to do this. Bless their hearts. I know what kind of drunk I am. I tried my religious community. I tried psychiatrists. I tried it all. The one thing I'm very grateful that people didn't do with me is stop medicating me through my treatment centers because I may not be here tonight. Back then, they were less prone to hit, hit you with medication. I'm very grateful for that. If it was 2013 and 14, if I was coming to treatment, they would have found some psych issue with me, and I'd be bouncing off of walls. Because any kind of med that changes my mood, I want about 100 of them, right? right. So do we want to get past here? And I, I just want to share a little uh, uh, piece of, of me with you here. Um, I had gone through seven treatment centers. 1988, June 23rd, I entered my last treatment center. That was number seven. And uh, starting with my first drink at 14, uh, God gets me sober at 28. So I get about 14 years in change in error of drinking. Now, to some folks, well, you know, they might look at that not like such a big deal. It was only 14 years of drinking the way I drank. But in that time, progression works on me like if I was to pick up a drink tonight, you'll pull me out of a dumpster tomorrow morning. I mean, it's not a gradual decline, it's boom, I blow up. I'm in the projects tonight, you know what I mean? 
And um, at 14, I picked up a drink with expectations I was going to be like my friends and I was going to experience all they're experiencing. I'm going to be able to, you know, be a Romeo with the girls and be a tough guy, all the things. And guess what? I got drunk and that's exactly what happened. In my mind, I thought I was a Romeo, a tough guy. I was all those great things. I was it. Bill says he had arrived. I arrived. I didn't know about this gradual decline. I didn't know about the decay of my life from an internal condition. Now, I was already sick, and I was already m without a GPS. I was missing something already. The something was the relationship with God, and where that got separated, I don't know, but it was going on. One of the great things I learned to do is stop asking why do I have this, but what am I going to do about it now that I got it? Why am I an alcoholic? Why did she leave? Why did he? What are we going to do about it? We can why ourselves to another drunk for the next 30 years. Not too long after my first drunk, I wound up in my first treatment center, and I wound up in my second, third, and fourth, and fifth treatment center. And if any of you guys have heard of me before, I got to a place of being homeless and panhandling and sleeping in abandoned buildings and rooftops and, and, and cars that didn't belong to me, wherever I can crash out for the night. And I loved abandoned buildings. Uh, it sounds scary now that I'm sober, but at the time I knew just a few characters would be going in and out of there, my kind of people. And the cops usually wouldn't go in there, and except for the, the roaches and the rats, it wasn't too bad. I can chill out here for a little while. And if I, if I had a jug, this is all right. It's pretty good. A little heat in here, too. I learned how to sleep uh, on the grills by the subway at one point in my life. I never knew they kicked off heat or going down into the subway. You could curl up in a corner and keep warm during the winter. I learned about things like this because of me being homeless, because of uh, me being unemployable, because I'm a drunk. That's where my alcoholism takes me to. I remember uh, one particular day sitting by the F train on uh, right behind East Broadway, I forget the name of the street, in Lower Manhattan, and uh, anyone knows me, if I see anything that crawls, I move. I break my lease and move. Um, I don't like bugs, I don't like things, weird things, and, and here I was uh, sitting on the foot of the train station with all this garbage piled up and rats making their, 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 their way around the garbage and all these bugs, and I'm sitting there, and I didn't even care. I hit a new level of low. I didn't even care. I needed a drink. I had no money. It was about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. I was sweating and cold, and it was shortly before I got sober, and I didn't care. I tried to kill myself. Uh, that didn't work. I couldn't get drunk. I couldn't get sober. Treatment don't work. AA don't work, and this was it. Bill talks about the bitter morass of self-pity, and I despise God through this whole thing. I curse God beyond what you could imagine. I can never repeat those words in an AA podium. And at another moment of clarity by the Port Authority, and God got it. I let God have it. I was ruthless with this God. I call God every four-letter word. My God, my carpenter. He was despicable to me. And I hated him, and he knew it. And my life reflected of just that. Has our thought life manifested in our current life? Has our thought life manifested in our current life? Because my thought life was alive and kicking in my regular life. In my, it was right there, it was tangible. What I felt, what I thought, my perceptions and conceptions about everything, starting with him. And I really thought God had it in for me. And as painful as that was, and I would never survive it, God knew exactly what he was doing. We get self-will, it's a gift. We think free will, we're taking it from God. God gives it separates us from the animals. Here, freedom of choice. And like a good parent, God will let us bang our head against the wall enough till we come back and say, Mommy or Daddy, my head hurts. Please help me. He's not an enabler. <laughs> and when I banged my head enough, I came back to my God. But I had cursed God. And I, I don't give that lip service. I blame God. I blame my God for taking my mom, for mom being an alcoholic and committing suicide. I blame God for giving me a dad who was a real legitimate, hardcore, tough guy. That if you cried, you were a wimp. And his way of, my dad wanted me to be like Tony Soprano at five. <laughs> when are you going to get a job? But it's kindergarten, da. Yeah. <clears throat> I used to watch a show called Father Knows Best and Leave It to Beaver growing up. Some of you younger folks, these were actually shows in black and white. And um, 
Andy Griffith, you know, and uh, father sits down with son and gives him directions for life. If there was a bully or money, my dad just said, pick up a baseball bat and hit him. Don't worry about it. I was six, so, you know. And so I grew up with this kind of stuff, and we all have our stuff. And I really, you know, blame God for all of this. And I guess where I'm going with this is I come into Alcoholics Anonymous, and I still have some skepticism and doubt. God was pruning, God was pruning, God was pruning to set me up to do work for him. I had to be completely ready and prepared with no distractions put before him so he can start with that mess of clay and start to form to put me on a path that was already paved right before I got here, July 14th, 1959, when I entered this place called the planet. My belly button birthday. God said, I got, this kid's got to do something. This man's got to do something. I got to prune him because he's not going to be ready to take on the task. And it seems like the more I'm ready, the more God gives me and expects a whole lot more from me. The pruning's painful. feels like it's going to kill you. And for most of us, it does unless we surrender back to God. And God got me to the edge of a cliff where I surrendered to him, but I wasn't too sure. I was still skeptical and doubt about him. And I was uncomfortable, talked too much about God. Our religious people was attracted to him. They scared me. God knew all of this and kept removing me, kept getting me out of the way. Every conception and perception about him till I was left with no perceptions, no conceptions, no ideas about God other than whatever it is I want to know. And at that point, I began to grow. I couldn't come at God with anything from the mind because it was me I was worshiping. I couldn't go into prayer with an idea that I'm going to see my God in this meditation. I'm going to see God in a vision because it was me who was creating. It was all driven by the ego. God knows that. God removed all of it until I would pray to I don't know what. But something that's going to save me, that was it. And the growth began. Well, AA gets a hold of me, and God's got his arms around A and prunes and prunes, and I start to develop a relationship with God, and suddenly a need for God, and suddenly a tremendous love for God. And I don't talk about too much of that from the podium because it sounds pretentious to me to tell you I love God. You love God too. Let's not have a contest over who loves God more. The point is God loves all of us the same, huh? But I, felt I have this, this, this relationship with my God that I love. And I don't tempt my God. But I try to align my will with his by through a daily surrender in my brokenness to this God. And God keeps pulling things away from me. I'm more grateful for things God has removed from me than given me, actually. But God kept removing things and removing things. And every once in a while, the removal seemed like I got a gift. As God removes stuff, it seems like, oh, look at this. It's almost like I got a gift, but it's really to the removal that things are uncovered. All the good things I came, came through got through removal. Me landing in Florida was through the removal of another job. Me coming through to Florida was a removal of another relationship. Me coming to Florida was a removal of any finances I had. And I've been given where I work now with wonderful people doing what I love in the best part of the whole planet to me is South Florida. And it seemed like, oh, what a great Christmas, great day, Christmas morning, but everything was removed, and there it was. So this past Sunday, after all of this, God building a bridge and building a bridge and building a bridge and waking me up, and the waking up process is not always pleasant, I get to do something that for me personally might not uh, rattle anyone else's world, but for me, um, I never felt more at home other than an AA than what I got to do Sunday in my religious community. And I got to serve uh, uh, communion at, at my church on Sunday morning. And for a Catholic, it may not be a big deal. For me, it's, it was just incredible. To have an experience like that, to sit with the priest up at the altar and just be a little part of it, a little spoke in a wheel, and he handed me this cup and we give out the communion. And I hope I'm not breaking a tradition with this. Um, I was ecstatic. I was calm through the whole thing as if I had done it before somewhere else. I don't know what that's about, but I felt like I had been there before. It was a very calming effect, very euphoric effect. It was absolutely incredible. I left my, my church. I was, I was high. I was, high. I was euphoric that I got to serve in that way. What kind of God do I got? What kind of God do you have? What kind of God do we have that we can come from the scrap heap to a level of life better than the best we've known? For me, it was that. 
For someone else, it might be the birth of their children. For someone else, it might be a, a new job, whatever it is. But knowing that we're known by our creator, what a gift, and I got to do something like that. That makes absolutely no sense based on my track record. For me, the prodigal son returned. <laughs> After all the, the scoffing and the spitting at God and the cursing at God and all the ugly things I said, he still rescues me from that and places me in AA. And we're not done, by the way. Pete, I got lots of stuff for you to do here, which were the words that were whispered in my ear June 23rd, 1988. Not knowing what that meant, but just showing up to the altar. Broken, what do we do next, God? All right, boss, let's go. What do you got? Well, today I'm removing a relationship. Let's talk about this one. All right. <laughs> What lengths are we really willing to go to? So you remove a relationship, you remove a job, you remove some money, and then suddenly you find this other relationship, you find this new job, you find this new place to live, and I'm still a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, and God builds off of that. And I got to do this little deal on Sunday morning. How great was that? Got to spend a little time in the back room with uh, the priest of my parish, and um, Sunday was absolutely euphoric. What a good deal. There's things like that happen in Alcoholics Anonymous. Now, part of that pruning and part of this experience that I got to have on Sunday, and there's been many like that, is part of cleaning up the wreckage of my past. There is no way I would be able spiritually to move forward if I was still driven by voices of the past, it was, if I was still driven by the experience of the past, and I can talk about my feelings all night long, I can go to all kinds of self-help groups and talk about my anger issues and my fear issues, and it goes on and on and on, and I can sit there for the next 45 years, and every time I leave therapy, I need another drink. In fact, I really need a drink after that session. But something great happens when we make peace with our past, and step nine talks about it, and one through eight is a lot of pruning and a lot of getting ready and a lot of acquiring forgiveness for the people that we think harm them until we do inventory. Say, you know what? They may have done bad things to me, but I harm them too. And it's only through a spirit of forgiveness that I can show up to your door. Last week I talked about that landlord who I despised. I wasn't forgiving him yet. And I didn't have the power to forgive him, nor do I have the power to forgive anyone. The power comes from him by me suiting up and showing up and say, Father, the willingness to forgive this person, let's start with that. Give it to me because I don't have it. And that's part of the preparation work. When I am not that important, when I can see my unworthiness, not even worthy to stand here and talk to you, how dare I have arrogant, be arrogant enough to be angry with you for your shortcomings? Because I got a truckload. I have a 40-foot trailer worth of shortcomings. And you missed the mark one time, the hell with you. Oh, I can't talk to you. He snubbed me at a meeting. I've been robbing houses for the last 10 years. <laughs> we can be, well, let me speak for myself. I can be the most pompous, arrogant, self-righteous just by my behavior. Now, my ego says, oh, you're a humble, quiet gentleman, Peter. Don't, you know. <laughs> but cross me. Talk about me. Right? And AA knew this. God knew this. And we have 12 steps for a guy like me that says, hold on a second. You're not as good as you might think you are. We got to fix this. Or as my sponsor, when I walked in, went, oh, no, another one, you know. And little by slowly, we start to get better. We start to get fixed. We start to get tweaked. And we begin to experience a spirit of forgiveness for those who have found me. Forgive them for they know not what they do, is what one man said. Can I acquire that in all my day? Or I'll get angry with you for a little bit, and I'll go home and do inventory. and say, now, hold on. He may have made a mistake, but what was I? I'm just as guilty of you if I'm angry with you. I'm just as guilty of my accusers. If I go around gossiping about you because you're gossiping about me, the blind leaves the blind. We're both going in the ditch. And so I showed up to step eight, and I began to make amends, and I talked a whole lot about them last week with no expectations, just that these were the instructions given to me at the beginning because if you don't want to pick up a drink, you need to go make amends. The amends wasn't even about me. It was about, about you and fixing you, giving you back dignity, giving you back respect that I ripped off from you. And I started to find out I was staying sober and getting lighter and getting freer. 
The question was asked to me, do I think completing amends has anything to do with me drinking again or not? I know how to make amends. I have the instructions in the big book. I have a sponsor. I have a God. I know the person. I know the harm, and I'm still not going. I have a first step problem, don't I? I'm God again. I've lost my willingness. I've lost the fire on my, on my behind to go out there and go. I've gotten lazy. I've gotten comfortable. I'm resting on my laurels because I have a whole bunch of amends that I'll get to tomorrow. Oh, so I know I'm not going to drink tonight because I just want to hear Pete Marinelli speak. I know I won't drink. Really? Anytime I, 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 I sit back with that kind of arrogance, uh, audacity to say, oh, I know I won't drink over that, I'm closer to a drink than I think I am. It's when I say things are hitting the fan or great joys are happening, I got to go to God with this, probably won't drink on that that way. Step nine, very powerful stuff. We can't pass through the archway unless we begin to get rid of the weight from the past. How could I be present if I'm hearing voices from the past? How could I move, move forward, uh, put back together and present to each breath I take if I'm still listening to old resentments, old fears, old contentment, etc.? Can't do it. Spiritually, it cannot happen. I cannot pass through that archway. And it's interesting, in step 10, it says we've entered the world of the spirit but I need to be cleaning up the wreckage of my past. And I can enter the world of the spirit, even though I have a whole bunch of amends that still need to be made. The, the, the question is, am I out making them? Am I doing it? Am I looking for the people? Am I searching for these folks? Am I writing the letters? And am I doing drive-by amends? Am I out there looking to make amends? Or if I, do I expect to enter the world of the spirit after three amends and kick back? That's not going to happen. And this is where the road gets very narrow to pass through the eye of a needle. That's what we're talking about here. And wealth and, and, and reputation and, and who I think I am and what I drive is not going to pass through that. But a humble man will. A willing man will. A, God, a guy looking for God will. Hmm? I needed to take direction from my teachers. The depth of my willingness was manifested in my actions. How willing was I? Well, I showed up to a sponsor. And I became slow to speak, but quick to hear. I always had the answer for everyone. Well, let me tell you how to do this. I never did it before, but I'll show you how to do it. Right? I'd go into treatment center after treatment center after treatment center. I know what, they, I, know what I need to do. 1988, I shut up and start listening. And I stopped judging people. This was a God thing. I couldn't, on my best day, not judge someone. I grew up in Brooklyn. You judge everyone, <laughs> including your spouse and children. <laughs> it's just the way it is. And through surrendering to God little by slow, I stopped backing away from judgment because it got me sick. That's a great thing. How dare I judge you and then have no mercy on you because that's going to come right back to me. Because what I'm doing is telling God, you screwed up on this one. All part of the material, all part of the ingredients for me to go knock on your door and say, I need to fix the, right, the, the harm I've caused. And in that, I'm forgiving you for anything I saw prior to that because you were on my fourth step anyway. And then I go. My first time through the work, I probably made um, 200 and better direct face-to-face -face amends the first time out of the gate. Not that I was that important or that powerful, but that's how many people were revealed to me by my God in order to get me free to do his work. And more will be revealed. The interesting thing about step eight and going out and make amends is whatever number we come up with, 10 people, 20 people, 50 people, that's not it. Because more will be revealed as the ground gets fertile and growth starts to happen. God will say, okay, here's some more. Here's some more you've harmed. And each time through the work, some more will get revealed. My job is to chop wood, carry wood, and show up. Okay, God, what do we got? Where are we going today? And sometimes we could, I could be sitting in me and driving a car, and I'm clear enough to hear, you owe Joe an amends from 20 years ago. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Now what am I going to do? So, oh, he doesn't remember? No, I go. 
There were many amends that I got to make, um, what I call the, the indirect amends. Some of us call it living amends. And it's not only after I, I make amends to you for stealing from you, I don't steal from you or anyone else. I put back into the universe. And the same, the same way I was driven to go drink, God will allow me to go heal. But some folks I couldn't go see. It was impossible. I would cause more harm in so doing. What do I do with those harms that I can't go see Joe or Mary about the things I've done to them? I put it back into the universe. Indirect amends. If I was a womanizer, that stopped with all women. If I used people or stole from people, it stops to all people. If I was a bully and beat up guys to get my way, to get money off them, that stops to all men. If I stole from a company and by going up and making amends, I would implicate other people who might suffer those consequences, I don't steal from my employer anymore. Simple stuff. God doesn't make too hard turns for those who seek him. And then something incredible, incredibly great happens to us as I was cleaning up, as we clean up the wreckage of our past, we get to step 10. It says this thought brings us to step 10. This thought meaning I'm halfway through my amends. I'm cleaning up the wreckage of my past. I'm doing the deal. I'm out there looking for folks and locating them and making amends and I'm not going to people when I'm going to cause more harm and going to make amends. This is not about getting a nine-step notch on my belt and going back to home group and saying, I'm Moses. I made another amends. Because I might have to go back and make amends for the amends I made. What would God want me to do here? How would God want me to speak here? If I was on the receiving end of this amends, what would I want to hear from me? Compassion. Even the person that I'm going to doesn't have compassion for me. I still need to offer compassion for them. I can tell how spiritually fit I am when someone is rude or upset with me or gives me some lip instead of compassion, how I react to them. It's easy to snap back and get into it after, how could you speak this way to me? That's not a spiritual life. That's a civilian life, and I'm claiming God with my lips, but I don't have any works to back it up. How am I doing when practicing these principles in all my affairs when those around me are not? My book promises me nine out of ten times the unexpected happens when I go make amends. I'm there for the right reason. I'm clear what I'm there for. And I'm willing to take some heat if it's going to come my way. This isn't about me. It's about me, but it really isn't. And my approach goes something like this. I don't always talk about God on the front end. That's God's deal. If I'm supposed to introduce God or not, that's God. I'm not going to name drop just to make me look good. Sometimes God will come out on the front end. Usually it doesn't. I let them know why I'm there, and I'm a member of Alcoholics Anonymous, and I've harmed you. I need to get some things clear. <clears throat> and this is what I'm clear on, on harming you without dragging them through the mud. And we need to be really careful in relationships, dragging her through the mud because she may not want to go back there anymore. I have no right to save my own skin at someone else's expense. How would I want to be spoken to? They know why we're there. I tell some of the men I sponsor, you just let her know you weren't a gentleman when you met her. She knows. You don't have to remember that hotel, and you don't need to go there. That's rude and inconsiderate. I never tell someone, I've never told someone on amends, ever, ever. I was instructed never to do this. I'm here to make amends because if I don't make amends, I'm going to drink again. It's all about me all over again. If they ask, I can tell them, but I never lead with that. I just let them know my palms you. I'm a member of AA. I don't live that way anymore. Here's what I'm clear on. Is there anything I can do about it? Anything you need to tell me, and then I'm still. No yeah buts. Anything you need to tell me how this affected you. Maybe I left something out. What can I do to make this right? And then I listen. Financial amends, I work out the best deal possible. It's easy to show up with a satchel of money and that's done. Sometimes I can't do that. Very often I couldn't. Can we work out a payment arrangement with this? I've done this with bill collectors, believe it or not. When I mentioned what I was about, what I'm doing, they were pretty fair with me. I did it with the IRS as well. And somehow it got paid off. One dollar a month is one dollar less I'm always looking at the prize. You know, at the end, I got all this to pay. No, it's $1 less. And little by slowly, in God's time, with God's power, I get past that. 
So I go with compassion for other people. What am I going to do when I get to step 10? Somehow, because the big book says maintenance, that word has leveled step 10 in a lot of our meetings. Meaning step 10, just stay where you are. And the old timers would tell me I'm either growing or I'm going. What do we do in step 10? I'm making amends. I still have some more amends. I'm out there making more amends. I got a prayer life and a meditative life. What am I doing with step 10? Taking inventory. That's what I'm doing. I'm praying and meditating. Big book uses words like next, now, launch, connect, commence, at once, vigorously. Words to imply action. Keep moving. You see a little duck on a pond. It's just kind of gliding along the water. Look on the knee. He's working. He's working. He's paddling. What am I doing in here? Kicking back because I made five amends and I'm good to go. I'm now Moses again. How am I doing? Am I seeking God with the desperation for drowning man or woman in step 10? Whether I'm hitting step 10 with three months or two months or two years or three years, what am I doing in step 10 to enhance the experience, to enhance what I've been given so freely by God and AA? I have a responsibility. I'm called to action. I need to become a spiritual warrior here and go there into my home's occupations and affairs or go out there with the armor of God and face wherever I got to face. Good, bad, indifferent, in here, out there. God has given me the armor. God's given me the spiritual muscles. Now I'm just going to kick back and get flabby all over again. If I'm really in an experience, I have found not only with myself but countless others that we're compelled to go and grow. We're compelled to be of service to others. And my step 10 is what I'm doing during my day, my walking around. How am I doing? How, my sponsor has asked me, how are we doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? And we work with words like turn, watch, aware, and observe. Turn, watch, aware, and observe. Turn in in order to go out. Turn into God in order to go out. If I don't turn in, I will go without. But I need to be really careful here. Because if I turn in too long, I better look out. And what I mean by that is I can think I'm worshiping God and everything's got to stop. You have to wait. My boss has to wait for me to show up for work. The, the wife has to, everything has to wait because I'm praying and I'm meditating. Guess what? I'm worshiping me and my ideologies again. And idolatry is one thing that blocked me from God. It's about getting up off my knees, getting up off the mat and going out there and taking these principles into those affairs. That's really get an idea of how I'm doing. I can chant and om and pray for hours upon hours. How am I doing in traffic? How am I doing in public? How am I doing in a meeting? How am I doing when I walk in there's no seat in a meeting? And I have to stand for now. How am I doing? When I get up to get a cup of coffee, you jump right in my seat and I come back and stake it. How am I doing then? Ready to go to war over this? Right. How am I doing when I think no AAs are looking at me? Right. No one's around. I can play. Right. Turn, watch, wear, and observe. Watch, wear, and observe little buzzwords that I go through my day with. Watch, wear, and observe. They're interchangeable. How's my speech? How's my thinking? How are my actions? Where are my feet? How am I doing? Is it a daily surrender? Surrender throughout the day, a mantra. Turn, watch, aware, and observe. Is my thinking become God? Has my mind become God? Has the ego re-emerged? How am I doing? Step 10 has a word that talks about, it says we continue to take personal inventory when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. We're looking at four through nine every day. Am I doing a spot check inventory? Am I discussing it with someone immediately like the book says? We have, we have in my sponsorship line is immediately, guys. We have a sponsor and two other people. I have an immediately. I need to discuss this with you. I have a problem. Just won't, I can't get past this resentment or fear. And we have an immediately group. And here's how I do step 10. I don't think anyone might do it this way, but this is how we've been taught. Some folks just do an observation for step 10, how I'm doing. We were taught everything goes to paper. The word inventory means a written list. And when I have an opportunity during a day, if something's troubling me, a fear of resentment, it goes to paper. I don't steal time from my employer, but I have a lunch hour. I can write a little bit about what went on this morning if I have some fear or some anger going on. Quick spot check inventory, and maybe I can call up someone and say, I can't go past it. I need a little help. The first move is, all, is always God. If I'm resentful, fearful, whatever it might be, morbid reflection, always go to God first move. Turn to someone I can help. Write a little inventory, discuss it with someone immediately. It never fails. And then it asks me 
if I've harmed anyone, to go make amends in step 10. Quickly. Not on my time. On God's time. It also talks about I can be of service to other people in step 10. You know how many times I've, I've had a resentment with someone, prayed, discussed, wrote inventory, and then made amends and was helpful to that very same person that I was angry with an hour ago. It's about getting free. How free do I want to be? So I wake up in the morning, and I start my prayer meditation every morning, and it's a daily surrender. And just lately, I started reading some stuff in the morning. There's a couple of books I'm working with, some scripture I'm working with. I wasn't reading anything for a long time. It was too much of a distraction. I just started doing that. That's the movement. Now what happens when I get up off the mat? Have some coffee, go for a run, do some laundry, get ready for work, go to work. I have 15 men that, that, I, that are my clients, and they have a total of 200 personalities. Right? <laughs> some of them are here right now. Right? I have five women with 50 personalities. Right? Right? How am I doing? How am I doing when census is low, when census is exploding, when people have moods at work? Right, when there's traffic going to work, when the guy in front of you is driving six miles an hour and you're in a hurry, how am I doing? Right. I just want to read something to you. It says, I've entered the world of the spirit. My next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. This is not an overnight matter. It should continue for a lifetime. I continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. When these crop up, we ask God at once to remove them. We discuss them with someone immediately and make amends quickly if we've harmed anyone. Then we turn our doors to someone we can help. Love and tolerance of others is our code, what I've been talking about. Now, here's where AA splits in some circles. We cease fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol, as an afterthought. Who am I fighting? The booze problem's been removed. How am I doing with other people? Who am I in, who am I in conflict with when I'm sitting on a couch and no one's around, but I'm arguing with everyone? I have remorse and guilt and resentment from the past, and I have fear about the future. I'm split down the middle. I'm claiming God with my lips, but I don't have God right now. I'm full of me. I'm consumed with me about all my little problems. And if I'm miserable, you know you're going to be miserable as soon as you meet me. It says, for by this time, sanity will have returned. If you remember, back in step two, he talked about came to believe that a power greater than ourselves can restore us to sanity. That we're going to get to this place, this arrival place where sanity will be given back to me. It's part of the contract. Step 10 says, sanity has been returned. Wholeness of mind. Wholeness of mind. Truth, God which means I'm not even thinking about drinking. The obsessions is long gone. There's no booze going in my body. I have no phenomenon of craving. I have no thirst for booze anymore. It's all past me. And even the thought about drinking, I'm in the process of experiencing permanent recovery. I have other things to do. God's got other work for me to do. I cannot be consumed with me. I want to drink. I want a drug. I got a drink issue. I got a drink signal. Then there's something wrong with my spiritual condition. Not the drink, not the drug, not the people, not the environment. There's something wrong with my spiritual condition if I get a drink signal over something. I need to go back, touch step one, and have a new experience with God because what I've been having an experience with is me and my ego. I've been worshiping me, not God. I think God's talking to me. It's me talking to me. I'm doing this because I look good. You like me if I do this. When I put my hand on the pillow, there's no God. So I got drink singles, drink issues, or I'm acting out. And God forbid, they find out. I leave my AA meeting. I go home, and I'm restless here and discontented. I'm snapping at the children. I'm kicking the pets. I'm a mess. Walk into AA. How you doing? Oh, I'm great. I am I'm beautiful. <laughs> um, you know. If tempted from booze, it says I seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, I recoil from it as from a hot flame. I react sanely and normally, and we find that this has happened automatically. Okay, so we're getting to this. I don't have to play the tape to the end, think the drink through, remember where I come from, keep it green. Go to a detox to remember where I come from. Do you ever hear something more selfish and arrogant than that? That I have to take a detox commitment with sick and suffering wounded soldiers... So I can remember where I come from. Talk about selfish. 
I take a detox commitment because that's where God leads me to pull them ashore, not to say, look at this poor sap, I'm doing good. I never want to wind up like you, Joe. The only reason why I can identify with that guy because I was the poor sap about six months prior. Where's my compassion? If I need a detox commitment or a prison commitment to keep it green, my book says I don't need to do that, that this will be given to me out of love that God has for me. God doesn't want us in bondage, doesn't want me in bondage, doesn't want me preoccupied with killing myself, which is what a drink or drug is going to do. And you're coming with me, by the way, the loved ones, the children, the wife, the family, they're coming with me. God said, well, that's out. Early, I says how God removes. He's removed this too. And what's left is this pearl called sobriety and a willingness to go serve as messengers of God. Am I here to be served or to serve? You know that answer to the question when you look in the mirror. Why am I here? I'm here about five years now, 10 years now, 90 days now. I'm still looking to get? Still looking to get? Oh, I don't like this speaker. I disagree. What a terrible meeting. Did you raise your hand and share? No. Well, what do you want? So the whole meeting was just for you tonight, Joe. I was newly sober. I was in Brooklyn, a group called the Park West Group, seven-step meeting. And a woman shared on step seven. Well, it was a seven-step meeting. She shared nothing about step seven. She gave a drunk-a-log, and she wasn't even an alcoholic. She was more of just an addict, if she was even that. So what I did, I got my ball and went home. I walked out. How could they do this at an AA meeting? Like I was a lawyer for AA. <laughs> I didn't think my sponsor was going to go to that meeting that night. And there was a, there was a, a 7 o'clock meeting and then the 8.30 meeting. My sponsor happened to be strolling down the block, whistling, going in for the 8.30 meeting. And there I am outside. And I'm gossiping. I'm, he's, what are you doing? Oh, I just walked out of that meeting. She didn't know what she was talking about. I can't repeat what he told me after that. But it was something to do with a selfish son of a so-and-so. That you were given this message freely, and you denied someone else of it. And he reminded me that when I came into AA, I knew nothing about this book. And suddenly I got a little information, and I became God. You don't shoot the wounded, Pete. I heard him. I never walked out of a meeting again. First for fear, second for love. <laughs> It says, we will see that a new attitude to a liquor has been given to us without any thought or effort on my part. It just comes. This is the miracle of it. We're not fighting it, neither are we avoiding temptation. I feel as though I've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. I haven't even sworn the stuff off, like I'm not going to go back anymore, no matter what, I'm not drinking. Watch this. It says, instead, the problem has been removed, more removal from a loving God. It does not exist for us. I'm recovered. As long as I keep spiritually fit, 10-step promises, which splits a lot of our contemporary. It's normal to think about a drink because you were drunk. You're always going to think about a drink. Once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic. Yeah, I'm tagged with alcohols. I'm not cured. But we get recovered. The problem gets removed. And it's way beyond just one drunk helping another. It's about having a relationship with God first, then go help another drunk. Because I can transmit something I do have, and that's my sickness, my untreated alcoholism. And a wounded soldier comes in, and I make his wounds worse. By telling him, here's a quarter, give me a call when you want a drink. He's not calling you when he wants a drink. He's calling you when he gets, needs bail money. What am I transmitting to a drunk? I get recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And if I'm really all in, if I'm really working at this and I'm looking at step 10, I'm experiencing step 10, I'm doing what it's asking me to do, suggesting me to do. And I have a sponsor who's awake, who's a teacher, who's enlightened in AA, and is calling me on my stuff, is checking me. I have accountability when I come to my sponsor with the dumping on the phone and he says or she says, let me hear the inventory. And that annoys you? You should be doing inventory because they're a good sponsor. Because I can take anything and make me right and you really wrong. 
Inventory doesn't ask me to do that. It's part of step 10 is what I'm doing during the day. Well, if I'm doing this stuff and I'm getting pruned every day and more stuff's getting removed, the drink problem will get removed or the drug problem or my sex issues or my food issues or my gambling issues, my self-centered issues, my fear issues gets removed and suddenly I find myself present and awake to this moment. The quality of my consciousness depends on where I am right now, where my mind is, what is my mind feeding me? How present am I? If I'm walking around with stuff from yesterday, from two weeks ago, from three weeks ago, and I'm fearful about later, next week, next month, how present can I be? No wonder why I'm twisted up and in bondage. And then we go to an AA meeting and take everyone's inventory. From the speaker down to the chairperson, down to the person who's sharing. It's all about me. They used to tell me point one finger, three are coming back. The reason why I don't like you is, be not really, the reason why I don't like you is because there's something in you that I got that I despise in me. So let me take your inventory. Step 10 begins to erase all of that, and we get lighter and freer. There's no gravity in God's world. I get to experience that now, not tomorrow. Couldn't experience it yesterday, but right now, I get to experience the no gravity in God's world, the lightness and the freeness of it and the abundance of this God. But I need to be all in, and it doesn't come for me by just going to an AA meeting and this is sacred ground for me, AA. I try to treat it as such every day. I get to. But I also know that the fellowship alone will not hold me up, will not keep me spiritually fit. God could and what if he was sought? What am I doing to seek? Back to step one. How did I do with step one? What was my first step experience like? Because I get great power. In one through nine, I get great power. We get great power. We're no longer powerless in AA. The drink problem's been removed. It just told me that. So I don't have to worry about that. God's got that. What he replaces us with is great power. One through nine gives me power to go out in 10, 11, and practice these principles in 12. We're no longer powerless. We're walking with God's power. I'll align, God, align with God's will rather than driven by self-will and self-reliance. It's an it's internal shift here that has gone on, and we had nothing to do with it. I showed up broken and desperate. They says, here it is. You want it? I said, okay, fine. No expectations, and suddenly I'm experiencing this complete 180 that they talked about when I came in. They were words that I would hear. What is 180? I know what they mean. Here's a question. Experientially, can we talk about what it's like living in the world of the spirit? Experientially, can we talk about being rocketed into the fourth dimension? Experientially, can we talk about what it's like having that vital sixth sense that the book talks about in 11? A vital sixth sense. Last I checked, we came here. They always taught me in school we have five senses. Book just says a vital sixth sense. My question has been this. It's not tangible. They're talking about intuitiveness, the God voice. You can't put that under an MRI. But you can watch it in action. Is it possible we're equipped with six senses and one just has to be nurtured and developed to the removal of me where we just go on the God thing and no thinking's required. No thought life is needed. I don't need to figure anything out. I don't need balance in my life. I don't need to get balance in my life. I don't need to figure out balance in my life because when I'm doing that, guess who's doing it? Me. And it looks like this. But God does that. God sends me places. God puts people in my life. There's my balance. No thinking about a drink, by the way. No thinking about any other bad things to hurt myself with or hurt anyone else. Interesting thing about my amends list since the last time I went through to work, my amends list has changed. The first time it was stealing, doing ugly things to people. This last time through the work is I missed a couple of appointments that I said I was going to show up to. I remember my grand sponsor said, kid, you're going to get to a point, you're going to come out of the work, and nothing needs to be done. You've harmed no one. I said, what an order. How's that happen? I've gotten to experience that, and not because I'm a special AA, but God is special. And that's open and available to all. How bad do I want to get free? How bad do I want to experience God? Based on what I've been doing so far, how's that been working for me? 
If I experience being restless, your own discontented, driven by a hundred forms of fear, I got intra, uh, 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 trepidation about things, I'm looking for vengeance, to seek vengeance on people, I'm character assassinating, and then I want to claim spiritual perfection, I want to claim spiritual progress, I want to claim I'm spiritual. I have hypocrisy in my soul now. And I haven't entered through the archway. I haven't entered the world of the spirit. I've entered into my ego, and my ego has created the world of the spirit. And it's my little kingdom. You can't come in if you're going to criticize me. It's my little kingdom. I'm the landlord of my kingdom, and only my friends can come in. Those people endorse my nonsense. It's our little sick kingdom. Don't even talk about God here. After all, I'm God. How can I experience God if I am God? Last thing I got to wrap. I have found uh, that I can get into, we can get into worshiping the methodology, worshiping the mechanics rather than God. We can become big book lawyers and dot every I and cross every T. And if you miss a comma, you're not spiritual and I'm more spiritual than you. And we get into this contest of who knows more. And we analyze and, and, and dissect the book and we start to worship what's in here rather than what it's taking me to. And knowledge in the wrong hands becomes dangerous. And we can get into that stuff and become warring theologians. What the process of recovery through my big book should allow us to do is to be free and open. And you may, you may be a don't drink and go to meetings guy. It's not my book. I will challenge it, but I will also help you. And God forbid one day I might need you to help me stay away from a drink. What do I know? But it's about building a bridge and not being a warring theologian. I know some folks who know this big book sideways. They sponsor people like, like assembly lines, three at a time, four at a time, five at a time. And some of them came to me to sponsor them. And then I took a look at their personal life. Shambles, vile, double-sided, two lives in one, double life. And when they got challenged by me, they don't talk to me anymore. <laughs> Throw me under a bus. Character assassinate me. I'll still build a bridge. I'll still build a bridge. This information is about awakening the spirit and becoming a direct reflection of that God that I'm praying to. All love, no opposite in the spirit of forgiveness. Can I do that? Book talks about growing and understanding and effectiveness. How am I doing with that? It's a page and a half in the big book on step 10 of incredible spiritual information. A page and a half for step 10. A page and a half. We put that with chapter to the agnostics and then take a look at step 11. No greater works other than maybe scripture has been written about people to grow in understanding the effectors, to be messengers for God, and to help those in need, which is what we do. We're one big red cross here. We become spiritual warriors in Alcoholics Anonymous. And we go out and bring the wounded in here to fix them up. Let me, let me never, ever forget about that, that there are people sick and dying tonight, and God has selected me to go into the field and bring them in here, messy and bloody, knowing I got your back, you got mine, and we'll fix them up so they can march on. Huh? That's all I got. Peace.